you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Thanks for tuning in to Abiding in Christ. On the program today, we have the conclusion of a segment that we began last time. Our hope is that you'll find it challenging and informative, and that you'll listen to it with the knowledge that you can have full confidence in Christ, trusting Him as Savior and Lord. We also ask that as you listen, you prayerfully consider coming alongside Wares Valley Ranch and supporting this ministry to children in crisis through a tax-deductible donation. To find out more about how you can help, call us at 866-41-ABIDE or visit us online at wvr.org. Again, thanks for listening, and now we join the broadcast. But I want you to understand, we're supposed to be rejoicing as we worship the Lord together. It is a cause of celebration because of the truth that we know in Christ Jesus. But then, he says, uh, sometimes you may want, because when you go to worship at Jerusalem, you're going to be offering up these sacrifices and you're going to get to eat meat, you may want to have meat some other time. And the temptation will be, well, Jerusalem's quite a distance from here. Let's just offer a sacrifice to the Lord here. Why? So that you can eat the meat. That's what was in view here. He says, you can eat meat anytime you want. You can eat meat anywhere you want. You don't have to go to Jerusalem to eat meat. That's not the only time you can kill an animal. But don't start thinking, well, we'll just have our own celebration and our own worship, and we'll just do it wherever we want. No, gather together as the people of God in the place God has commanded, and let that be the place where you worship. Let that be the place where you feast and rejoice together. But it's not the only place you get to rejoice. And it's not the only place you get to feast. Now, folks, trying to apply this to us, please understand that God is saying, church doesn't have to be the only thing you enjoy, okay? Well, I mean, when I was growing up, we, we, were, we were just there at the church all the time. I mean, every time the church doors were open, it was open, there was something going on. There was RAs and GAs and WMU and uh, Brotherhood and we had all these things all week long, you know. We had the Wednesday night service. We had choir rehearsal. We had young peoples. We had all these things. It doesn't have to be that way. I think some churches keep people so busy that they don't have time for healthy family interaction. But I would tell you that wherever you are and whatever you are doing, it ought to be in the context of rejoicing and giving thanks to God, okay? Don't make that a substitute for this, but don't make this 
a substitute for that. God says, you can eat meat anytime you want, wherever you want, just enjoy it. I love that because I'm a carnivore, okay? God doesn't say, and if you have to eat meat. I love the description here. It says, um, verse 20 of chapter 12, when the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he's promised you and you say, I want to eat meat because you have a strong desire to eat meat. <laughs> you may eat it. Why, why would you say, I want to eat meat? Because you have a strong desire to eat meat. I like that. Because I have a strong desire to eat meat. We had meat yesterday. I expect to have it again today. Okay? But folks, God is saying, I'm giving you this to enjoy. Don't make your worship an austere thing where, you know, well, we're going to, first we're going to go do church, and then we're going to go have fun. Enjoy church. But don't think the church is the only place it's okay to enjoy yourself. Well, I'm really a very religious person, and I really, I, I really feel safe and secure in the church. But when I get out there in the world, I just, you know, I'm just afraid I'm going to do something that God is not going to be happy with. Well, you can eat meat. I'll tell you right now. It's all right to enjoy the good gifts of God. God has filled this world with delights. But even as you do that, eat it within your city gates whenever you want it. But he says, but even there, obey me. Don't consume the blood. You are to take the holy offerings that you have and your vow offerings and go to the place the Lord chooses. Verse 28, be careful to obey that you and your children after you may prosper forever. And when it comes to the pagan stuff you're going to run into, you're moving into an area where the people have not been worshiping God, but that doesn't mean they haven't worshiped. Please understand that even atheists are religious about it. People who refuse to acknowledge the God who is God still have other things that they devote themselves to. And he says, when you go into these areas, don't allow their holy stuff to be kept as sort of interesting relics of a uh, previous generation. He says, wipe it out. Now, that, that would not go over with the UN. Okay? It would not go over with tons of people in tons of churches across America today because the idea is we're all supposed to respect other religions. We're all supposed to view their practices and their beliefs as being, you know, just as good as ours. Well, God told his people, look, I'm not telling you you're going to get to live in this land with the pagans. I'm giving you this land, and I'm sending you in there to be my instrument to clean the place up. Please understand, God is not giving you the same responsibility or right when it comes to your homeowners association. Okay? It's not like, listen, I am a child of the Most High God, and I'm telling you here, you are to bow before him, and if not, I'm going to kill you. Muslims may take that approach to evangelism. But Christians do not read the rest of the Bible, okay? Our weapons 
are not fleshly, and our enemy is not people who are far from God. Instead, we come as ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ, pleading with people while there is time to come and receive the Lord's mercy. Is that clear? So I'm not suggesting to you that you become the church militant who is going out there in order to act as crusaders and use physical swords to impose the rule of God on society. I am telling you that you have an assignment and faithfulness as an ambassador means you don't become just like the world. God told them, you don't keep the pagan places or the pagan idols. By the way, the stuff that they worshipped was truly demonic. Much of their worship was very sexual in nature. And God holds up as the epitome of the evil in which they were engaged, the practice of child sacrifice. The idea that people, in order to serve those gods to which they were most devoted, would offer the life of their child. Since 1973, over 60 million little babies have been offered up in this country. Does God ever forgive that? Yeah, God forgives all who come to him in repentant faith. But if we think that as a culture there are not consequences for having had that kind of bloodshed in our midst, that is worse than naivete. It is willful ignorance. So, God says, don't let the false religion thrive among you. And don't allow yourself to be tempted. He says, don't even try and learn about how they did what they did. Okay? In order that you might try it out. And then he talks about false prophets. He says, if somebody rises up among you and he makes a prophecy and the prophecy comes true. Well, then I guess he's a real prophet. And he says, I think we ought to worship this God. I'm not telling you you have to stop worshiping Jehovah. I'm just telling you, let's add this to the mix. Something I've found very meaningful. You know what you're supposed to do with that guy? Death sentence. That's what it says. So do we do that? If there's a TV preacher and we decide that he is just too heretical, should we take him out? No, you should turn him off. Okay? God will take him out. Well, but why did God do that here? Because this was what's called a theocracy. Okay? It was a group of people in covenant with God, called by God to do something specific at a specific time and place in history. We can learn from them, but please do not learn a false lesson and think that we are now supposed to do all the Old Testament law and go around with a sword and wipe out people who don't do things God's way. You've got to read the whole book, okay? You've got to read the whole book. All this Old Testament was pointing to one 
person. His name is Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled the law of God perfectly and then offered his life as the atoning sacrifice for us. Now, those of us who are trusting in him are charged with being filled with his Holy Spirit and going out living a life of love that causes the pagans to say, I just don't get it. Even when we're mean to them, they're nice to us. That is how hearts are changed. If you show his love, even to your enemies, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And meanwhile, some people will be saved, just like you were. Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood is listener-supported. If you would like to help, please get a pen and paper so that I can give you our contact information. You can make a difference in the lives of those who hear this message and the lives of children at Wears Valley Ranch. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. Please visit us online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. Or send in a donation to Wears Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. That's Wears Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is Now, he says, don't tolerate the false prophet. Then he says, suppose it's your brother. Suppose it's your child. Suppose it's your best friend who tries to get you to worship a false god. Well, then surely, I mean, you have to put that relationship first. No, 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 no. We put God first. God alone. Among those who call themselves evangelical, there has been a huge shift regarding certain moral issues within the last 10 years. It's not the only thing that's gotten messed up, but that's been one of the most remarkable and unmistakable things that has happened. People who used to say that God designed marriage to be a covenant relationship between a man and a woman that's to last for the rest of their lives, now say, well, you know, love is love. You know, just do, do what feels right to you. How'd that happen? Well, I can't say that I've interviewed everybody, but I can tell you that I've seen case after case after case after case after case after case after case. And the thing that changed the person's mind was their brother or their sister or their son or their daughter or their parent or their friend who said, I just got to be true to who I am. The fact of the matter is, all of us are predisposed toward various kinds of sin. 
We're not all predisposed toward the same sins, but all of us are predisposed toward sin. And where a culture or a church gets into real problems is when we start thinking that our particular sin really shouldn't be classified as a sin because I want to do it. When we think that whatever I want should be on God's approved list because, after all, I want it, we are really headed in the wrong direction. And right now, multitudes of people who call themselves Bible-believing Christians have disregarded what God says in his word about right and wrong because a brother, a sister, a parent, a child, a best friend, a classmate, a co-worker, somebody said, can't you just love me the way I am? Can't you just accept that this is me? This is who I am. This is how I'm wired. I implore you, my brothers and sisters, understand that no matter who it is, God is calling us to put our loyalty to him first. Then he describes if there's a city where this kind of thing has become rampant, and you hear about it, you're to go and just wipe them out. No. You're to go and investigate. Make a thorough inquiry. Check it out. Don't just accept somebody's allegation about somebody else. There needs to be due process, not just believing whatever anybody says. And then he says, if it turns out that indeed that city has become a nest of idolatry, they are to be wiped out, but you don't just kill the people. You kill all the animals and you take all the spoil, all the good stuff, everything that might tempt you to say, I think those people are idolatrous and we ought to go kill them and take their stuff. He says, you pile all of it up and you burn it all. And then you never allow anybody to build on that site. What that did was it eliminated the temptation that has always been there in history for some people to say, I think we need to wipe those people out. And the real reason is because you want what they've got. So God eliminates that kind of temptation from the scenario. And he says, there's only one reason for this theocratic bunch of Israelites to do this kind of judgment from God, and that is because God says you're to wipe those folks out. Now again, I want to reiterate, please don't miss this. Please hear me. We live in the new covenant, and we are not charged with the responsibility of going out and destroying God's enemies. All of us were God's enemies. And God has already poured out his wrath on Jesus. And so our job is to be ambassadors for him, bringing the message of reconciliation and pleading with people, wanting to see them changed, wanting to see their life turned around. So, all of this, how we worship, where we worship, is built on a relationship of love. 
It is because God wants us to know him and to love him and to serve him. And I'll tell you this. When I read the Bible, I do not wish I was alive in those days. You and I live in a time when it's not just material blessings. I mean, I like climate control, frankly. I think it's very nice that at the touch of a button, we can regulate the comfort level in our homes and church buildings and workplaces and so forth. Isn't that nice? Okay? My granddaughter helped me build a fire this morning. Thank you very much, sweetie. My daughter and her husband made it possible by having the fire in there before, so that this morning there were nice red hot coals. Thank you very much. Even when I have a fire in the fireplace, I don't want to have to do it all myself. I like push button. 72. Good. Thank you. But, but I'll tell you something. That's not why I'm glad to be alive today. I'm glad to be alive today because we are nearer to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have unprecedented opportunities to bring the gospel to people groups who've never heard. I mean, it is amazing what God has made it possible for missions to do today. So if, if you're not excited about that, get excited about it. Because I'm telling you, for us to be alive in a time when we can bring the gospel to folks who've never heard, reaching into places where it's illegal. I just got to tell you one quick story. A friend of mine has a tremendous ministry in the Middle East, and um, he has a radio and television broadcast, and um, goes into the Middle East. And in Saudi Arabia, where our ally is not friendly toward the gospel, um, in Saudi Arabia, a man who had gotten saved watching the broadcast, went into a store and heard the shopkeeper humming the theme song from that broadcast, okay? And when he heard that, he was just stunned and thrilled. And he came to the man and he said, what is that song you are humming? Now, he didn't say it in English, but I can't do Farsi or whatever it is, okay? He says, what is that song you are humming? And the man said, what, what, what do you mean? And he said, you were, you were humming a song. And the man said, I, I, I don't know what you mean. And he said, do you listen to that broadcast leading the way? And the man looked, and he said, yes, I do. And the man said, are you a believer? And the shopkeeper said, yes, I am. And he reached out, and he grabbed him, and he said, you are the first believer I have met. I have become a believer, but I didn't know anyone that I could talk to about it. I'm telling you, God's at work all over the world. This is an exciting time to be alive. You and I should be rejoicing. Let's pray. Father, what you have done for us is way beyond what we can even comprehend. We even after we're saved, don't grasp the full extent of our sinfulness. And we, even after we've known you for years, don't comprehend the riches of your grace 
the glories of your righteousness, the perfect wisdom that is yours. But Lord, as we study your word, we want to know you more. And we thank you that even here in Deuteronomy, we're being pointed to Calvary. Because Jesus was not an improvisation in history. He is the centerpiece of history. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to save us. Thank you for your amazing grace. Help us to trust and obey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.